Okay. Mainline coil, artificial line coil, new armature lever, separate batteries, supplementaries, all new contrivances. It's the 11th Street Telegram, your premier anachronistic news and entertainment program, coming to you from the offices of the 11th Street Telegraph Agency. Malazan of them will speak in high voice. Keep speaking on in your low voice while Blazanov at the same time speaks highly. This From is Dutlitz Telegraph. messages at the same time come from the same office of different voices and recorded elsewhere by instruments with appropriate sensitivities. All right, it is another edition of the 11th Street Telegram. We are continuing our march through the filmography of the Coen brothers. I tripped over the word filmography a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, we have reached the second movie in the filmography. How are things in uh, the... Before we proceed, though, how are things in um, Telegram Office North? They're good. I thought I heard somebody knocking at my door just now. Hmm. But, that would be very unexpected for a Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday midday. Yeah, the, the telegram office here is situated above um, a pretty overpriced, sometimes have cool things thrift store. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's nice weather out. So they're they're doing like a sidewalk sale type thing. I see. So you think that maybe someone thinks your door is associated with the thrift shop? No, I, I mean, uh, maybe I'm thinking like the reason somebody might be knocking at my door is because one of the vendors needed me to move my car or something. But uh, I, I see. I think it's just, I, you know what it is? It's a little windy and in the living room, um, the curtains are blowing. That's it. Oh, yeah. That's, that's all, it, all is. it is. That's all it is. Um, cool. So, so... Yeah. Other than that, things are things are doing pretty pretty good over here. Um, great, great. Uh, I watched that Netflix show Bloodlines season one. Is it Bloodline or Bloodlines? It's Bloodline. Bloodline one because it's about yeah, one. Bloodline. a single Bloodline. It's about the Rayburns. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. I don't want to bog us down too much. No. no uh, other than to say they did a good job at at. Um, catching like sleazy Florida guy. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. the, it, a lot like, of the sleazy Florida types are very well illustrated in that show. I, growing up there, like I, I have met, I feel like I've met all of those individuals in my life. Mm -hmm. Yep. So for sure. So that's good. Um, roller derby's going pretty good. Uh, right. I'm on the, I'm on the men's roller derby team here. So, that's going good. Work's going good. Awesome. Yeah. Not not too many crazy things to report. Just if we're listening to this years in the future, what's hap mm -hmm. the latest internet buzz that's happening now is a um a Muslim boy was arrested at oh, his gosh. school for making a clock. That's big in the mm -hmm. news. Um yep. 
Donald Trump makes silly faces at the GOP second debate. Mm-hmm. And what else is the big internet buzz? Um, supposedly, the, the-, the theatrical versions of Star Wars are going to be re- released by Disney. Oh, According yes. to, who was it? John Landis said that George Lucas said. Okay. That was I the see. buzz. That was the buzz for this week. Mm-hmm. What else is the buzz? I'm looking at a internet tabloid website, which some people think of as a respectable website. Um, a lot of people that I know read it because it is a website associated with the left. It is thought of as a left-leaning news outlet. Are its but what initials? It really is, Go ahead. It, it rhymes with the bl- the Bluffington Drost. <laughs> um, yep. And it is really just a tabloid. I mean, there's this is not a serious website, but unfortunately, I visit this website very often because if I just want to know brief snapshot what is happening in the news, has something major happened news-wise, I'll check that website, even though I know it's terrible, horrible, tabloid, clickbait at the at the worst. So you know, yeah, I mean. I get a lot of my news, I would say the majority of my news from John Oliver, Larry Wilmore, and probably mm-hmm. soon to be um, the other guy. What's the new guy's name? Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, yeah. Yeah, I would like so, to see the new Stephen Colbert late night show, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, you can. It, I downloaded the ABC app specifically just so I could watch it. Is it, it ABC? I thought it was CBS. It's probably CBS. Yeah, it's CBS. Okay. Um, but I, I downloaded the app just for the purpose of watching it, and I've watched about three episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Colbert has this weird tone. Like his one of his first guests was on the on the first show was Jeb Bush, mm-hmm. but he's going through like the list of presidential candidates. So the other day he had Bernie Sanders on, right? And the tone was really. It was you'd have to watch you'd have to watch the interview. Like, I think what I think what is happening is they gave Stephen Colbert this slot, and one of the reasons that they gave him this slot is because they thought that he could reach not just people from the left, but strike some sort of middle ground in between the two. <laughs> Did you hear that? It sounds like what basically what I've heard is the the short and condensed version of this is he went really easy on on Jeb Bush and he like was really strict with Bernie Sanders. It was there were just he, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was strict. He just made but that's correct. I thought he did go really easy on Jeb Bush and at the end at the end the last or at some point in the show he goes, "So that was Jeb Bush. Good guy. I might vote for him." And then um like those were his words and then when he was talking to Bernie Sanders, the last thing he said to Bernie Sanders was, uh, um, you know, Bernie was like, look, we're doing better in these numbers, these numbers, these numbers. And then at the end, Stephen goes, how you doing in my home state of South Carolina? And Bernie's like, well, we're trying to do better there. And he goes, and, and that was it. Like, Stephen goes, okay, thanks. I mm. thought so. Yeah, maybe it's that he's so concerned with not appearing biased that he's, Overcorrecting. I, I, the demeanor was not like, 
John Stewart. I don't know. I like if it was John. If this was a John Stewart show, you could tell John's leanings by how he sort of addresses people. Mm-hmm. And since this is sort of new for Steven, I would say like, I don't know if he's overcorrecting. I would say like he just genuinely didn't didn't like him. Maybe so. Yeah, I, I mean, know. maybe it was you weird. know. I think it's I think it's definitely true that Colbert is probably more conservative than John Stewart. I don't yeah. think that that's that is I don't think that that is um controversial. But I kind of assumed, I guess, that he would be down with Bernie, but maybe maybe uh Stephen Colbert actually lies somewhere around Hillary Clinton or I don't know, John Kasich or something. He might I think he might even be right. I think he might be to the right. Hmm. I don't know. Um, but he did such a good job satirizing the ridiculousness of the right on the previous program Yeah, that I would think that his sympathies actually lied, you know, on the left. But maybe that's not right. Paul was a Pharisee. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what that means? Yeah. I'm familiar enough with the Bible. <laughs> okay. I don't, anyway. Um, Paul, Paul, you know, I've heard people, religious scholars say we shouldn't call it Christianity. We should call, call it Paulianity. Yep. Because, I don't, yeah, that it was, it's the, because so much of the Bible was written by Paul and so much of, uh, the current day church's stance on social issues is influenced by things yep. Paul said. And I would agree with that. that. I said. would agree with that. I yeah. do. And I, not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and then just a uh, sort of segueing into there is no segue mm. transitioning should, into yeah. just into one brief note. Um, we got to figure out we got to figure out what we're going to do for the longevity of the files for this podcast. Oh, because I think yeah. Google the way we're doing it now is sort of this weird. The levers and pulleys might start to degrade next year, so. Mm. Mm-hmm. That we got to mm-hmm. run some new lines for the telegram. Okay. Okay. For the telegraph yeah. agency. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to do that. You know, as it stands, we're we're sort of piggybacking upon all of the barbed wire fences that are going up all over the West. You know. Yeah. To yeah. to to sort of bring an end to the open range cattle phenomenon. Yeah. We might have to have dedicated wires. Is basically what you're saying. We we yeah. may not be able to rely upon the pre-existing barbed wire infrastructure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So. Um, an actual plug, and then we'll get into the movie. An mm-hmm. actual plug of an actual product. Okay. St. Paul Bakery here makes the best everything bagels I think I have ever had in my life. Okay. Good and I don't know if you knew this about me, but I love everything bagels. Fucking I like them love too. Them. I like them too. My what kind of cream cheese do you put on? Do you put on a sweet cream cheese or do you put on a, a savory cream cheese? Zero cream cheese. Just butter. You just eat the bread? Just butter. Butter. Just yep. butter. Well, that's, that's, that's a defensible position. Be, well, I, di, me and Dairy, you know, we that's used true. to That's true. You and Dairy have pals, a bit of a trouble. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Especially those soft cheeses. That, those, will, oh, those will throw yeah. me for a loop. You're a bit lactose intolerant. Hey, hey. Easy with the labels.
My name is H.I. McDonough. Call me high. The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. Don't forget his profile, Ed. Turn to the right! So, okay, we're in 1987 now. 1987. The Coen brothers made their name with the dark, moody, neo-noir of Blood Simple. Yep. And their next film probably threw people for a loop. I didn't go back and read any original reviews or anything. I didn't either. And I think, isn't in between these two, didn't they work with Sam Raimi on Crime Wave? I think that may um, be right, yeah. And uh, I mean, that it was a big enough deal to, that movie was a big enough deal in their um, billing that, that it's listed, you know, in their filmography. So mm -hmm. they did do Crime Wave with Sam Raimi. Were they writers on that? I th yeah, I believe so. Okay, um, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it either. We might have to do, a, do an additional to, one. We might have to do an append appendices for the sort of quasi Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that, I wanted to bring us back to one of the questions you said in the last one, which was, what what constitutes a Coen Brothers movie? And I would mm -hmm. say one in which um, either Joel or Joel and Ethan are listed as directors. Because okay. I don't, Ethan's never listed as the director. It's either Joel no. or Joel and Ethan. Correct. Okay. So. We'll stick with that for now. Yeah. And then perhaps after we've gone through the filmography, we can do some of the more uh, ancillary Coen Brothers movies. And yeah. also, they have one coming out next year. And if I, I vote that if we, if we're, we're still um, yeah. doing the podcast when that movie's in theaters, we should just go and oh, do, yeah. a, do an episode on it, regardless of whether it's in order. I agree. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. Well. So, yeah. raising Arizona. Do you want to give us a, a brief uh, plot synopsis? Oh, this is going to be, a, and I told you this before, this is by far my least favorite Coen Brothers movie. Like, mm. I, it is, if I have, uh, yeah, I, I I, don't think I ever want to watch this movie again. So that's crazy is, to me. This is it coming. Has, that's crazy. Uh, I'll tell you why. But, okay, so this, this synopsis is coming from a person who does not like this movie. I just don't, I do not like it. It's not that I don't. Anyway, the um, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to it. The okay, so the movie is about um, H. I. Uh, I forget his last name. McDonough. H. I. McDonough. He's he's just a a, a scamp. He's a scofflaw. Um, he's in and out of prison all the time, um, and he meets and falls in love with a police officer. Edwina, hmm. um, uh, Edwina, it doesn't look like she has a last name. Anyway, um, meets and falls in love with Edwina, played by Holly Hunter. H.I. is played by um, Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. And uh, they fall in love. Turns out Ed is barren, cannot have children. And uh, that's the one thing she wants to do in this life is, is she wants to... She thinks it would be a shame to waste how good life is. Um, you know, any moment that this child is not born is a day that they do not experience how good life is. I think is um, paraphrasing something. they might something. regret missing later on. Right, yeah. So um, they hear about this um, wealthy 
this wealthy unpainted furniture merchant, um, mm-hmm. uh, Nathan Arizona, who is played by, do you have that handy? Played I do. by. He is played by Trey Wilson. Oh, there it is. Yeah, uh, Trey Wilson. Um, so Nathan Arizona owns Unpainted Arizona, and uh, he and his wife had uh, quints, the Arizona quints, quintuplets. Mm-hmm. Um, so they devise a plan. Hi, H.I. and and Ed devise a plan to um, kidnap one of the children because they have so much they wouldn't miss this baby. You know, uh, they have four others. They have more than they can handle. They have more than they can handle. Yeah. So it's it's a caper. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a goofy movie. Um, along the way, they kidnap the kid. Um, H.I.'s buddies from prison break out and play a part in the movie. Uh, at, uh, a good portion of the movie is the kid, uh, the, the baby, Nathan Jr., that they wind up capturing, uh, kidnapping. A good part of the movie is them, um, the, the baby sort of changing hands in between this bounty hunter and the, um, the escaped it, convicts and yeah. Ed and H.I. And it's all, it's all sort of just passed from hand to hand in, in a big goofy mess and um, in the end the baby winds up back in Nathan Arizona's hands and um, all's well that ends well basically that's the yeah that's the down and dirty that's the down right. and dirty uh, that's a, explanation it's a, a fair it's a fair summary yeah um, I could not help but notice the dripping condescension that you displayed when describing <laughs> the plot what condescension what well it, i'm not meaning this, to no no i was mostly just kidding oh, but okay. um yeah so um, okay I'll, I'll i'll say my piece um i don't think that this is their best movie but i think that there's i think that there's a few below it i think i would i would certainly put blood simple below it i would probably put the lady killers below it um and i might also put intolerable cruelty below it but I would have to hold off on that. I would have to hold off before I. Um, it's been a while since I've seen *Intolerable Cruelty*. What? Basically, is... it's near. The, okay, so it's near the bottom of my ranking, but because I love the Coen Brothers so much, even though it's near the bottom of my ranking, it's still a movie I very much like. And the reasons I like it, because. Oh, wait. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, right. I want to. Cir- I want to circle back to hear what you. Where it was in your rankings before this viewing? Okay, so before this viewing, it would be near the bottom, but certainly not the very bottom. Certainly, there'd be two right. or three others below it, and okay. it stays there. Okay, it stays there. Didn't move. Yeah, it. I don't think it moved. I think it. I think it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think it moved. I think it. Okay. I think it. My estimation of it, it remains where it was. So. The movie, okay, reasons I like the movie. Uh, I find it a very sweet movie. Um, it is about sort of lovable losers in a enjoyable way. Um, I think that a lot of the visual silliness regarding the bounty hunter is very funny and, and kind of hilarious. And I love how they film it in a very epic sort of, faux epic style. I think that's hilarious. I think that there's a lot of, of the 
dialogue, the Coen Brothers dialogue that I love is very much present in this one, unlike in Blood Simple. We had the little repeated lines of dialogue, uh, like they got more than they can handle, or uh, you know, Nathan, Na he got Nathan Jr. because I'm pretty sure he's the best one. And then in the early on, you've got the unseen voice of the other police officer saying, don't forget the fingerprints, Ed. Don't forget the ring, Ed. You know, all that stuff. You've got the funny little exchanges. Um, you have the, the scene that I had completely forgot about, which I just loved upon reviewing, is when John Goodman and the other jailbird are robbing the bank. They go in and say, freeze, get on the floor, and no one moves. And this old guy says, well, which is it going to be, young feller? Because if I freeze, I can't very well get on the floor. And if I get on the floor, I'm going to be in motion. And, you know, that was hilarious. And it also struck me that um, another thing that the Coen brothers like to do, like another Coen brother uh, repeated tactic or repeated scene across their filmography is interactions with shop clerks that are of a very sort of particular style. I think of when the, the jailbirds rob a convenience store with, from an old man. And I think very much of the scene in No Country for Old Men when uh, Shigur is dealing with the shop clerk at the gas station. And I noted that same exact thing. Yeah, I picked up on that. It's, yep. it's definitely very silly. This is not a movie where the plot holds up to scrutiny. You know, it's not a movie where the plot is free of logical fallacies or errors, but I don't, it's such a screwball madcap comedy. I don't think it is quite fair to hold it to that standard. Um, and I love the performances of, uh, especially Holly Hunter. Um, but even also Nicolas Cage, who this was at a time in his career when I think it was very much an open question, what kind of actor would he turn out to be? Um, and what he did from here is he didn't really stick in the comedy zone. Instead, he kind of turned to the serious zone. And then he moved from serious, rather than going back into comedy, he moved from serious into like B-movie territory. So Yeah. When did, um, <clears throat> when did Leaving Las Vegas come out? Um, Where let's was find that? out. Yeah. Leaving Las Vegas, I want to say it was early 90s sometime. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at his... his yeah, it was 95. And that is what he did. He won a Oscar for that. Um, I I think so. Yeah. So it it says Raising Arizona and Moonstruck were the two movies he made in 1987. Mm. And I do not remember anything about Moonstruck. It, I never it was saw a little it. too smarmy, like it looked, like too syrupy for me. It's mm -hmm. just it's like a it's it's like an Italian wedding. I think. Oh, it's a romantic type comedy type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So your turn. Go ahead and um, explain why you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that there's some subtleties. Um, I agree. Let me tell you what I liked about the movie first. Okay. And then, and then I'll tell you why I don't like it. Um, I agree with you that this, so similar to blood simple, um, where blood simple, I think had, so much of the visual dialogue that that the Coen brothers that I love, mm -hmm. you know, like many many parts of the of that movie is just all visual and um, the music, like the the limited amount of music and creating tension and stuff. That movie was like proof of concept of, that the Coen brothers could do that. 
this mm-hmm. movie is sort of proof of concept that they can do the dialogue, like the quippy dialogue stuff, the back and forths and the repetition, like you said. And I do see that in the movie, and I do really appreciate that in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. um, like when when John Goodman, who's one of the convicts, and um, the other guy are are at played a, by William Forsythe. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're eating they're eating cornflakes, like slopping them into their mouths. And uh, and the 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 other convict says, "These are awful good cereal flakes." Yeah. <laughs> Which, and and even that even that cereal bit was they 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 had another cereal bit in um, Inside Lewin Davis right. where um, that guy who's on Girls is sitting there just slurping up the cereal, right? You know? Mm-hmm. And and it, of course, oh brother, where art thou? When uh, Delmar says this stew's awful good, you know, <laughs> that's that's a thing. That's maybe a, a, a thing that we need to watch out for. People eating food that People looks eat- unappetizing, but someone comments on how good it is. Yeah, yeah, and not even unappetizing. It's just so plain. It's like yeah, they're just they're just cornflakes. Um, uh, so I liked all that stuff. Like uh, that when when they kidnap Nathan Junior. And um, and Hi uh, throws the 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 Doctor Spock book in in the car and says, "Here's the instructions." <laughs> um, that was funny. Like, there's funny lines in this that I really like a lot. Um, there's 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 a pomade scene, which is a precursor yes. to Dapper Dan. Right, um, the pomade when, scene when they they bust out of the the jail and they're slopping it on their hair. Um, Oh, he says, and uh, the, at, at the point in the movie when John Goodman and William Forsythe um, capture, kidnap the baby from H.I., and they're in the car, and um, William Forsythe's character says, he had himself an accident, and John Goodman looks over and says, oh, he looks okay to me. <laughs> uh, so that was funny. John Goodman screaming was good. That's, that's in uh, Barton Fink all over the place. And oh, Big yeah. Lebowski. That's another thing that that a character just very intently screaming yeah into the camera yeah yeah that 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 happens in um, Miller's um, Crossing yeah Miller's Crossing yeah the, yep. the deaf guy yeah yep um, okay so those are the things I liked about it um, the the tone the like the tone of the movie is really what what bothers me to no end. They, mm. they, they, from the get-go, this movie is, it, it's like, it is so, so painfully goofy and gross-out humor that it, it's, it's so just in your face that I, I struggle to, to go along with the joke a lot of the time like it's too over the top to you it's it it's way too over the top and doesn't have the elements of like i don't know if sophistication is the right word but oh brother where art thou is similar similarly very very goofy and they have similar moments in there where like there's lots of like big googly eyes mugging for the camera like right you know they're like this mm-hmm. right in the camera. Um, but there's something about it that, that mixes in a little more um, 
it gives me a little more to, to think about like they're, they're playing with the form a little bit more, which those two okay. things together work for this movie. It felt less like that and more just like this goofy, like super, super goofy um, movie that the dialogue was okay, but it's not delivered to the same with the same degree that the dialogue is delivered in their other movies. Like, it, yeah, it's put out there, but it feels like the guy, the characters are just reading, reading the, the quippy dialogue. Um, mm. I don't think it's done with the same, the same skill as it is later on. And I don't think I, yeah. I would just to interject. I agree. I don't think that. I think Nicolas Cage is good in this movie. I think he could have been stronger. He's yeah, not as yeah. good at the Coen Brothers dialogue as most of the supporting actors are. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, the there's one thing. If there's one thing in a movie that is really hard for me to deal with, it's baby mm. humor. Mm. It's like it's like one of the cheapest devices in movies ever. Like the scene where they're driving in the car and they get the baby to like pull its its hoodie over its face as they're driving in the car. That's you know? a little precious. Yeah, that's, I, that's a yeah, precious. that's that's a good way to put it. It's just too like I can't bait, and then like you know the baby's crying on the screen, and it's just it's so much intended to make the audience go like, no, look at the baby, like that I can't stand. And I don't I don't know enough about um, movie cameras enough, but it seems like this whole movie was shot in with those like walleye lenses. Like a like those really wide angle lenses that so it mm. sort of bends things at at the side, mm. and then um, you know the face is always like here, mm. right? And then it, it makes everything look really goofy, and I feel like all of the shots are 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 intended to be that goofy and that over the top, and like um, Francis McDormand's character, for example, like terrible wig like super over the top um that uh, character was really over the top and so is that character's husband yeah that character's husband They're, and then they turn out to be swingers and like he punches them in the face it, it it's all just like it's it, it, the, i think the, the swinger joke probably would have resonated differently in 1987 yeah maybe uh, so maybe so yeah. um it just i, I it just all How felt do, like like uh it felt like, to be honest with you, it felt like an episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse. And oh I like Pee-wee's Playhouse. Like, I think that that's a worthwhile kids program, <laughs> you know? Like, it truly is. Like, they, they have, like, silly things on there and, like, good good morals and stuff. And, and Pee-wee, like, went out of his way to hire, like, a diverse crew and stuff. I'm not saying, like, I am genuinely saying I think that's a good kids program, and I'm happy that that exists, but it's so goofy. All the colors are so extremely loud in that. This movie felt like a felt like a, a Pee-wee's Playhouse episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but all of that is to say, I don't think it, there are certain elements of that of this movie that just irk me the wrong way. I'm not mm. going to say in, like, if somebody said, oh, should I watch Raising Arizona? Like, uh, Laura asked me that yesterday. She goes, should I watch that movie? 
and, and I was like, no, it's worth watching. Like, if you've never seen it, you should definitely watch it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I do not, I do not like it. Um, one of the interesting things, I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody said that a certain portion of the movie is the Coen brothers trying to make a, um, a Wile E. Coyote movie. Oh yeah, well there's so. sort of there I think there's some evidence for that with the Roadrunner tattoo that both HI and also uh Leonard Smalls have. Right. Yep. So um it is a cartoonish movie. Like Yeah, yeah. And and like even even HI's look, like the way his hair is sort of like pushed out oh, and sort yeah, of like crazy. brownish. It makes it it could you could see envision him as being Wiley e. Coyote, you know? Hmm. Um, and some of the slapstick stuff, you know, it, is like that. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my overall impression of the movie. I, would I think say. that. Oh, wait, wait, one more thing. Yeah. The psychologist in the prison was, um, the guy from Simple Man, oh. letting it breathe. Serious, serious man. Yeah, serious man. What, it, what was... it was. Uh, it was Cy Abelman. Cy Abelman. I thought it might have been. Yeah. You know, I was looking at that and I was like, "Is that Cy Abelman?" And then I forgot to follow up on that. I I didn't follow up on it, but I am I am ninety nine percent sure that's Cy Abelman. Yeah, I bet you're probably right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. So it's okay. I would say that the reasons you don't like the movie are the same reasons that I don't put it among my favorite Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, yeah. I think that one of the things I like about the Coen Brothers movies is are the moments that linger upon a particular shot or a particular idea at some length and I don't think that this movie has a lot of lingering upon shots or ideas for any amount of length. Mm -hmm. It's a short little movie. It's only 90 minutes and it zips around in sort of cartoony fashion. That's very much um, true. Let, let me interject something right there. Yeah. What's interesting though, even though it's such a short movie and it, and I agree with you that it does zip around, the beginning monologue is 11 minutes long. We do not see the opening titles for that movie until like 11 minutes and 43 <laughs> seconds into the film. Yeah, that's true. So he, like, I love, I, I, I think they use that narr opening narration really well in some other movies. But this one, like 11 minutes into the movie, it's like, okay, now we can begin. Which I'm sure they meant to do that. Like I'm sure that mm -hmm. that was done for comedic. comedic I almost effect. wonder if I the thought I was having is I wonder if um the movie was originally longer and some of this stuff that's covered in the opening monologue were scenes of the movie first originally, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they shortened it by using the voiceover. Mm -hmm. um, you know, man. So not to like. Not to be pedantic, but I am following up on this notion that Cy Abelman is the prison psychologist, and I don't He's think not? he is. I don't oh. think so. I 
I was certain you were right, but I'm looking at the Fred Melamed um, filmography, and he's not listed in huh. Raising Arizona, but it totally seems like him. So I don't know. So so it's either him or a guy who is just um, occupies the same actorly space. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking it up on IMDb. It looks like they list somebody as prison counselor. Prison counselor Peter Benedek. Okay, so there we go. I guess it was him, but he totally seems like Fred Melamed. Does does. Um, so one thing. Okay, I think that. The, the it's it's the same factors that for me keep it from being one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, are the factors that for you make it a movie you don't like. Yeah, yeah. So we agree, but we disagree in terms of the degree. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And what's and what's interesting to me is is I think in some ways this movie for you is like Blood Simple for me. Like mm. I forgive Blood Simple for a lot of its failures just because I I so much enjoy the aspects of Blood Simple that you know their films later portray right and I think what I'm hearing you say is like you like the reason you like this movie the amount that you like it is because it's the first time we get to see all the cool like banter and stuff yeah you know, all the cool I think that's right I think that's yeah. right I yeah. think that's right that's a good way of putting it um uh, also, one thing we should have mentioned is that the the guy who played the uh, the private detective, the private eye in a Blood Simple, the antagonist of Blood Simple, M. Emmett Walsh, uh, yeah. briefly appears in Raising Arizona as the guy who's always talking to High at work, telling him yeah. you know stories. And another thing that struck me was that um, every single one of the Coen Brothers movies has. A character that I would call the 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 chatty idiot. Um, yeah, that's true. And 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 sometimes the chatty idiot is a good guy, and he's the protagonist. Sometimes the chatty idiot is just a side character. Sometimes the chatty idiot is the antagonist. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think in this one, the one that most qualifies as the chatty idiot would be um, uh, Gail. No, not Gail. I'm sorry. The the husband of Francis McDormand in this, mm, okay. Glenn, because yeah. he's he won't shut up and everything he says is completely inane and stupid, and he's end up he ends up being kind of a venal person. Yeah, he keeps um, he keeps mistelling all the all he's trying to tell like like Polish jokes, and he keeps mistelling right. the the Polish jokes. I like the last gag at the end where in High's dream he imagines. One Polish stroke too many, and the state trooper that's pulled him over is Sergeant Kowalski. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, the chatty idiot, like, and by idiot, I don't necessarily mean a person who's literally stupid, but there's somebody who makes up for a lack of smarts or a lack of social awareness by just talking too much. So I think in mm -hmm. No Country for Old Men, it's actually Everett is the chatty idiot. You know, he's a, not a bad guy. He's the protagonist of the movie, but he's also kind of an idiot because he 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 talks so much that he sometimes can't see the forest for the trees. Um, Everett is um, Tommy Lee Jones' character. No, in in uh, did I say No Country for Old Men? I meant you did. Oh Brother, yeah. Where Art Thou? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. In Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, the chatty idiot is George Clooney, and right. in you know in um, 
Fargo, I think the chatty idiot is Steve Buscemi. And all of the, all their movies has the, have the chatty idiot that mm -hmm. the guy who can't is talking so much that he can't listen. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I don't know. That's sort of a that's a sort of Coen Brothers archetype that we need to look for. I don't. I don't know totally. if No Country for Old Men has one. We'll have to there, there's think some, about that. When we there's get some to moments it. like the the deputy does that a little bit. Oh yeah, the deputy does that a little bit. That's true. The guy who um, is played by your Garrett favorite Dilla character. From... Yeah, my favorite character actor. Yeah. Currently working. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just the other night, I was having a conversation about how there are no female character actors. There are, huh. but they're very, very few and far between. Like, yeah, there are yeah. very few women who make their careers playing the principal of the school or the other lawyer or yeah. you know the 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 person who hires the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's very few women who have that role where it's like there's a lot of male actors where it's like, hey, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy from that thing. But you know, it have, used to be. It used to be more in the eighties. There was like, there was like, um, oh man, I'm trying to think of some of them. There was way more characters like that in the eighties. More, yeah. way more like female character actors. Yeah. Um, the it I the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I think if we watched that, we could pick out all these female character actors, like the woman who, the, like the woman at the rental car desk. Yeah. Because you know who she yes. also is? I yes. think that's the woman who's the secretary of Principal Rooney in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right. Exactly. I don't know that that's exactly, for a fact. That's so funny because that's, that's exactly right. who I was thinking of. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah. anyway, but one of the few female character actors working now is this woman called Margot Martindale. Yeah, if you looked so her up, you'd probably recognize her. Anyways. Mar how do you um, spell Margot? M-A-R-G-O. Let's see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like she's been in a Coen Brothers movie, but but maybe that's not right. Maybe I, maybe I'm misremembering. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, then of course, after having this conversation, I was able to think of a few examples of female character actors. Like mm -hmm. I think I think Allison Janney, Emily came up with that one. Would yeah, be an example. Yeah. Um, but that said, there's fewer than there's fewer than than men. I think. Um, well, that's so weird. Sometimes I think my computer's listening to me because I was at IMDb. I, right after saying the words Alice and Jenny, I typed A-L into the search and it auto-filled Alice and Jenny. That's so weird. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Oh, another thing I just wanted to mention was uh, the, the dream thing at the end is that they, they use that device also mm -hmm. in, in No Country for Old Men. For sure. Yeah. But with a completely different tone. Like, yes, here absolutely. it's super goofy, and in yeah. No Country for Old Men, it's it's Cormac McCarthy at his most Cormac McCarthy esque. Exactly. God. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. That's very true. Well, well, what should we do? You want to rate it? I would give this one. Uh, do we have oh, man, Do we have any sponsors for this episode? By the way, before we do, do we have it? any sponsors for this yeah. episode? Um, I don't think. I think we lost our sponsors this episode. <laughs> Well, I think I think Cub Foods found found our endorsement a little bit too demeaning last time. So I think we're casting no, about. No, I think they, I talked to them. I talked to those guys on the phone, and I said it was not demeaning. 
Yeah. I was genuinely impressed at how many options. Um, at how many options. I'm getting, hold on. I think we, we've just had a new sponsor has just come in. Um, oh, okay. This is, this is, we're, we're lucky to be sponsored today by Metamucil, which oh, is, okay. yeah, which is made from 100% natural phyllium husk. Well, I have a question though. Phylum husk. Yeah. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no. Keep, keep, turn it around there. Now oh. raise it up a little bit. Yep. Uh, well, we have to edit this so, part out. <laughs> I, I have a question though, because I, I need to lower my cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Um, and to promote my good heart health. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and right now I'm doing various things to do that. So this, this product couldn't possibly help but, me out with that. Believe it or not, Metamucil, the multi-health fiber approach of Metamucil, does, in fact, help lower cholesterol and promote heart health. Both? So you, you need to look no further it go, than it does Metamucil. Both. Huh? It does both? It does oh both God. of those things. Well, okay, but I also am trying. I'm concerned with my digestive health, so thanks, Metamucil. But you know, I need to promote that as well. So I, not I so use fast. Other, I use other. Not so fast. Oh. Metamucil, in fact, also promotes digestive health. It helps promotes. <laughs> it helps promotes. <laughs> it helps promotes. Well, well, that is that is just. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we need, you know what we need is we need a, a product, we need to get sponsored by a product that, that's going to, um, I have blood sugar levels that I need to keep at a healthy level. So we'll, we'll keep our eye on the, we'll keep our Say no more. For the, we're, we're already there. What? We're already there. Oh. Metamucil helps maintain healthy blood sugar levels, levels as part of your diet. Well, now, now you're, now I, now I just can't believe it. And, uh, and what about cit? I, I well, we need a citrus sponsor. I know that. But much. you know what? We... Guess what flavor Metamucil is? It's oh, orange. I, I don't even it know. is an orange oh. flavored supplement. So we're pretty much taken care of. All our thank sponsorship you. needs, all our health needs, uh, completely taken care of by Metamucil. Well, thank you, Metamucil. Yep. All, all right. right. So our rating system. What is our rating system? One to five. One is uh, Walter's Dirty Undies, the uh, Whites. Yep. Two is the Mentaculus mm-hmm. from uh, um, Simple Man. Mm-hmm. Three is uh, Jerry Lundegaard's, not Jerry Lundegaard, right? The Ice Scraper. Yeah. The Ice Scraper, yeah. Um, four is a can of Dapper Dan. Mm-hmm. And five is the Dude's Rug, the Pinnacle. Okay. I think I think uh, raising Arizona is an ice scraper for me. An ice scraper, okay. I would I would give it an ice. It's somewhere between somewhere between the Mentaculus and an ice scraper. I think. All right. Yeah. Yeah. For the reasons that we said already, you can right. probably guess for this one. This is this is a bag of dirty Walter Subcheck's dirty undies that I would gladly throw out the window and oh. not have to deal with again. Yeah. Treat it <gasps> as a ringer. Oh. We have a hound dog. Every once in a while, he vocalizes as does a hound dog. So yeah. Well, all right. 
We did. Well, that's we did another issue of uh, another. That episode. was volume two. Volume two. Volume Stay two tuned. of the Coen Brothers it, filmography. And then volume three is going to be Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing. That was made three years later. Yep. Miller's Crossing. Right. I'm very excited. I am too. All right. Until All right. then, stay by your apparatus. Bye.